Welcome back then to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Time now for our monthly preview show. So this is the time where we go through the previews books, the DC books, the Marvel books, the independent uh, comics books, and we have a look ahead to what's coming out two months down the line and do our best to recommend the best stuff to you guys. The stuff not to miss out, the titles we're excited about, whether they're single issues, trade paperbacks, even omnibuses, which have become a bit of a favourite of this podcast in the last few months. So we're going to be taking you through the May books and these are going to be mostly releases solicited for July release. There may be a couple of them that are a little further than that, you know, advanced solicits, but we can certainly guide you along the way and let you know which ones to look out for. So your host as always, Alan, owner and operator of the finally reopened Coffee and Heroes uh, in the last couple of days. I um, It's a trio of us today. So myself, I'm joined as well by Mr. Marvel. Uh, good morning, Keith. How are you? I am not bad at all. It has been lovely getting back into the store, I have to say. Um, getting uh, just getting getting back in. Obviously, you've got restrictions on the number of people that can be in at one time, and uh, we can't sit down and have the usual, you know, hour-long chat. But uh, certainly nice to get uh, to get in through the door. And you've done some done some great work in the place, Alan. Whenever it was closed. Yeah, the place is bigger and better than ever. You know, we we used the time as well as we could increased our stock levels new sections and of course that lovely neon sign for new releases which gets all the mm-hmm. all the praise but yeah we're we're really really pleased with how the store's looking and a nice really busy uh reopening for it and um is it is it an omnibus section or an omnibuy section i'm never well, sure that's the question isn't i i will always say omnibus you know but you know you know what we, do you we, reckon roddy short answer i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't, I don't, um, it's something, you know, I spy them and I'm like, oh, I need to get into that sort of stuff. But um, I'll go, I'll go on the buy. So it sounds more appropriate. I don't know. He's the writer. But, He's the writer. Um, yeah. Well, tell you what, how about whenever, we, when we properly get in for a sit down chat, we can, we can do some research on it. Yeah. We'll, we'll hammer it out and uh, come <laughs> to a, a conclusion. Coffee. You know, once it's the printed, and once the the section has a printed and laminated sign, that's it. You know, it's it's set in stone whether it's on the buy or on the bus. But, but yeah, either way, it's a cracking section with a ton of great stuff. So we'll look <laughs> at it that way. We'll look at it that way. It's but getting yeah. bigger and bigger by the looks of it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, maybe it's my subliminal advertising. Obviously, I do the YouTube stuff in front of my own personal collection, and I've got into uh, on the on slash on the buy much more recently. So. I think when people see that, they think, you know, I think that would look good in my house as well. So, you know, maybe a little bit of subliminal advertising there as well. But I just think, I just think with Omnibus, it's uh, they're they're great ways to read stories that are otherwise harder to get either the single issues or the the trade paperbacks. You know, they they tend to be a bit more expensive. But when you break it down and you have maybe say thirty five issues worth of material, you know, a hundred pound price point, say that's you know less than three pound an issue. And some of the older stuff, you know, I, I recently got all the, the, the Jeff Johns Green Lantern, uh, uh, the three volumes of that. So it's it's just, it's a nice way of going back and reading classic stuff. I've got one coming next week I'm really excited about. In fact, I have two next week coming I'm really excited about. There's the all-new Wolverine Omnibus by Tom Taylor. There'll be more on him later, of course, but a pretty defining run where X-23, uh, Laura Kinney takes over the mantle of the Wolverine. 
and then there is a final crisis omnibus coming which will confuse the heck out of me as i read it but you know what it looks gorgeous and uh it'll be about my sixth time reading it and i'm still not sure i fully understand it but the joys of grant morrison and again more on him later so yeah we'll uh, we'll jump into the previews books anyway we have a lot to cover it's, it's a really really strong month this month good stuff in the dc book good stuff in the marvel book and, and a really strong indie book as well so we always kick things off with a little bit of an overview of the books before getting into full details so I'll, I'll kick off with the dc book i thought it was a strong month for dc once again and it was a it was a month we had to wait a little while for the dc connect book it seemed to be a little slow in coming out if you're ever looking for the solicitations newsorama always seemed to be the first to break them and that was the case again and i think they were out maybe a week before dc connect hit but it's finally up now anyway but yeah loads to look forward to there's a new era for the man of steel as one of our favorite creators takes over uh the superman title uh philip kennedy johnson was initially announced as doing action comics and superman but he's now going to focus on action comics and then as i say we've got our one of our favorite creators taking over superman which has the subtitle son of kal-el more on that later there's a new dc horror imprint debuting with ties to major movies and there's also going to be original backup stories from some top creators in those as well uh, one I'm excited about is a new Buddy Cop miniseries almost, which begins with one of the original creators of some of those characters on board. And there's even a new oversized black label title launching, sure to please others on this pod. <laughs> Lots of strong titles continuing. A few jumping on points as well along the way, and some strong trades rounds out. A very strong DC book for May. What about the Marvel book then, Keith? I would say very much the same in May, uh, you know, as a, as a general feeling. Um Plenty of jumping on points <clears throat> on various books, and as you say, a lot of lot of strong trades. Uh, those are, geez, every time I go through the back of the book, I'm like, oh, okay, that's money that I can't afford to spend. <laughs> but it's uh, uh, there's some great trades. But yeah, I mean, this will be July will be the first month after Jason Aaron and Ned McGuinness's Heroes Reborn crossover, and also the Hellfire Gala in the X Men books, which is kind of a I guess a mini event. And Marvel is going to be taking the X Men. In a slightly new, the X Men team itself in a new direction with uh, the launch of a new X Men number one uh, and a new team lineup, uh, which we've talked about previously. Um, also, on the X Men side, we've got legend Peter David returning to X Factor. Uh, that's the X Factor that uh, the lineup contains Havoc and Polaris, Multiple Man, uh, Strong Guy, Wolfsbane. Um, that that team from around the the, the X Factor mid seventies uh, numbers, but uh, so Peter Peter David's back on X Factor in the X Men Legends series, which as you know is the is the series where they're they're picking up different parts of, of continuity. So uh, that's the X side of things. There's big stuff in store in in the world of Spider Man. We've got the return of Doctor Octopus and the Sinister Six in uh, a four part limited series called. Sinister War, which looks really exciting. I mean, I love how Nick Spencer has been, you know, reaching back into the, you know, the the the, the bad guy form, the classic bad guys of, of of Spider-Man. And I think this is, you know, when and we had Haunted, you know, we had uh, we had uh, Chameleon Conspiracy, you know, we had all those things. But I think this is, and we've had Kingpin coming to the the fore again recently. So it's really nice to see. I think this is the the culmination of that, really. And then we've got Extreme Carnage. Which is uh, Philip K. Johnson uh, on a on a, a, a carnage, like seems to be a series of one shots. Um, 
focusing less on Eddie or not at all on Eddie and seems to be bringing Flash Thompson and the Life Foundation symbiotes back into the fold. Uh, then over in Thor, we've got Donny Cates pitting uh, the Odin Son against Captain America for a new arc titled Revelations. Um, there's a few annuals and stuff there as well. And Black Cat writer Jed McKay is kicking off a previously announced new title in July, which I'm very excited about. One thing I noticed, though, uh, this month we started the publication of The Marvels by Kurt Busiek, and I notice it's not in the July issue of uh, of preview, so I'm wondering what's happened there. Yeah, whether it's maybe just taking a little bit of a break to catch up art-wise, mm. or there was certainly no announcement regarding it, so it just sort of quietly dropped off the solicitations, I suppose. But you do worry sometimes when that happens, because there have been obviously due to the pandemic and so forth in the last year there have been some titles that have started and then not finished and you mm. know you, you always worry that you're going to start something and then it's not going to finish so but we'll keep an eye out for it maybe it's just taking a little break uh, for the month of july and we'll be back uh, for august so yeah so that's the marvel book then and then you know keith and i have the easy jobs of you know essentially boiling down 100 page uh, books into you know two minutes of chat roddy you have about a 500 page <laughs> book to distill down into two minutes chat so take yeah. it away do you know the best thing you can do with the indie book is to actually and now we can we can actually go into the store and look you can sit down but maybe you can take it to a corner and look through that big previews book and try and find some stuff for you but we will certainly do our best to pick out some gems and what we think is going to be fantastic and i just think this looks like an absolutely cracking month for indie again um just seems to be marvel marvel and dc moving away from diamond this previous books are only going to get stronger i think you know um image definitely looks like the big hitter for me this month there is a pretty extensive selection of new number ones original graphic novels which look really interesting and i like what image are doing there seems to be some sort of their style keeps changing you know it's not one of six it all it's like one of three or an original graphic novel i really like what they're doing with like the form and the designs of the books so really looking forward to a lot of stuff there there's a new series from game of thrones actor um another bit of sort of celebrity comics involvement to have a chat over there's some big names dropping in and then there's a massive celebration of Skybound, which is celebrating 10 years. And we're also going to see some return, some returns of some Skybound series, which looks pretty awesome. And then, not to be outdone, Boom has some stuff for everyone, including something for fans of The Last Witch, which is all of us. Mm -hmm. And I really like what Boom are doing. They sort of seem to have this really cool balance of stuff for sort of younger readers, but for everyone almost and they've got obviously stuff for mature readers as well so i really like that balance and that's something i really admire from them uh elsewhere there's loads of cool stuff like movie crossover uh sorry not movie crossovers and well there is isn't there there's a new new series about a movie that's still to come out <laughs> and then there is a prequel to a Netflix show, which I think we're all looking forward to. And then there's a lot of stunning art books and then the usual suspects, IDW, Scout, Behemoth and all. They're sort of keeping the bigger companies on their toes. So, yeah, it's it's it just seems every month there seems to be sometimes you'll get months which is just like continuations. But this this month is like if you want new series, you just 
go dive in and see there seems to be something really for everybody you know yeah very much so very strong indie book and we'll certainly dive into that in some uh some deep detail and have a good conversation about that we're going to kick things off with the dc book and because you know it's my store so we're starting with dc not really uh well i say that but uh we're gonna kick off with dc but i'm gonna let keith take point on probably the biggest dc title this month as i would say you're probably a bigger fan of the man of steel than myself uh obviously i'm a massive fan of this creator but i'm gonna let you take it away on this one this is probably dc's biggest title this month i would say thank you very much very uh very gracious of you um so yeah looking forward to uh superman son of kal-el uh, series is going to be written by uh, our, our our good friend Tom Taylor, who is doing such good work on Nightwing at the minute. And I mean, I I am I'm really looking forward to this. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Jonathan Kent, uh, Clark's son, and and what they've done with him. Uh, you know, in the in the current series, well, in, in the series Bendis is Superman. Uh, I guess John was it was a young boy. Uh, he was he was around I guess 12, 13, uh, and he. He ended up going on a on a, on a bit of a, an odyssey with his grandfather Jor El around space, and whenever he came back, he was like ten years older, um, you know, or, or five or six years older. So he was a a, a mid to late teenager, and uh, I, I suppose then he, he's gone to live with the the um, League of Superheroes in the future and so forth. But in in the current series and Philip Kennedy Johnson's current action comics and uh, and Superman series. There's been a great story where, and it's it's about it's about a son's fear for his father as he gets older, as the father gets older, and 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 you know he's starting to Jonathan is starting to take on the role of Superman, and 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 there's a not a prophecy, but there's a, there's having lived in the future, John is aware of of history, and is aware that around this time, all the stories about Superman stopped. And he, he doesn't know why there's a like an information blackout around it, but he's really worried that his dad is going to die, um, and that, so that 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 sort of I guess hits home to him. So up until now, Paul Kennedy Johnson's been on both books. It looks like they're replacing the current Superman book with this Superman Son of Kal El while leaving uh, Clark and Action Comics. So uh, story by Tom Taylor, art by John Timms. Uh, some lovely uh, variant covers there as well, but it says. Jonathan Kent has experienced a lot in his young life. He's traveled the galaxies with his Kryptonian grandfather and lived in the future with a legion of superheroes uh, who were intent on training him for the days his father, Clark Kent, could no longer be Superman. There is a hole in the legion's history that prevents John from knowing exactly what will happen, but all signs point to it being very soon. It's time for the son to wear the cape of his father and bear the symbol of hope that has told the world who Superman really is. Join writer Tom Taylor... Nightwing and Deceased, and artist John Timms, uh, recently from Infinite Frontier, as they usher in the whole new era for the House of L. Also, there's a Tales of Metropolis uh, backstory, which uh, features Jimmy Olsen and a bunch of misfit heroes like uh, Ambush Bug and Gangbuster, um, but uh, in, in the style of the you know the, the, the two stories and, and, and books, the backup story. So, yeah, really, really interested in this, really looking forward to it. The art looks phenomenal. I really, uh, I really... Love what they've been doing with the character of John Kent, um, and so this is this is the next step, I guess. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty interested in this. I have to say, I think um, I'm a big John, but um, if ever there was a person to write Superman and give him hope and heart, I think that's 
Tom Taylor. You're exactly so, right. Um, I think you'll you'll have to give me like a little, um, a little bit of history going into it, maybe. But I, I think I'll be on this one too. It just sound, it sounds great and it looks looks great as well. I mean, I tend to find with Tom Taylor stuff, he's able to jump on and just make it so approachable straight away. You know, it's we we've seen a massive upsurge in you know subs to nightwing and you know obviously it started at 78 it wasn't a nightwing number one or anything like that but he's able to just encapsulate everything about the character in a short space of time he's he's easily for me anyway he's one of the most approachable writers for new or one of the more approachable creators for new readers you know he just makes it easy and i would imagine he'll do the exact same here he'll probably distill everything you need to know background wise into the first two pages and then Mm -hmm. go off on his own signature style from there so yeah i think this is going to be a big one that's interesting as well because tom taylor has written john kent in this role during the deceased stuff Mm -hmm. uh and and deceased uh, John Kent ste- stepped up to take over uh, Clark's role. Yeah. Um. So he he's got some experience here as well. So yeah, really looking forward to this one. Really looking forward to this one. So that is Superman, Son of Kal El. That's going to be a brand new one from Tom Taylor and John Tim. So, uh, one that I'm looking forward to, and it's it's the same character, uh, primarily. But the reason I'm looking forward to this is I can never get enough uh, Grant Morrison in the DC universe, and he is coming back to do a four issue miniseries. Also a very strong creative team here because you've got Mikel Yannon on art and covers. So again, four-issue miniseries. This is Superman and the Authority. So this will probably prove to be a good counterpoint to uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El because we get the impression that's going to be full of hope and colour and inspiration and all the rest. This being Grant Morrison, it's probably going to go a little darker. So for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the Authority are, are out of the old Wildstorm imprint. They were created by Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch. Uh, they primarily consisted of characters such as the Doctor, Swift, Apollo, Jenny Sparks, Midnighter, the Engineer, and Jack Hawksmore. And they were a superhero team, and they were composed mainly of characters created by uh, Warren Ellis from Stormwatch. So this is, I should say as well in The Authority, actually, coming next week, we have the omnibus of The Authority coming in, so it might be a good time to do a little bit of catch-up reading, but... The blurb for this one is sometimes even Superman finds a task almost impossible. Sometimes even the last son of Krypton needs to enlist help. Some tasks require methods and heroes that don't scream Justice League. So Clark Kent, the the Metropolis Marvel, seeks out Manchester Black, the most dastardly of rogues, to form an all-new authority tasked with taking care of some business on the sly. So straight away, this doesn't sound like Superman, you know, conducting stuff on the sly, almost a Superman secret agent type thing. Uh, So not only will Black know the right candidates for the team, but if Superman can make him behave himself and act in the service of the greater good, then he'll prove literally anyone can be a hero. They'll have to move quickly, however, as the ultra-humanite forms his own team to take out the Man of Steel. So Grant Morrison's always really good, I think, of tackling the grey areas of superheroism. You know, he did it with Batman for years, you know, the end justifying the means, that kind of thing. And therefore, I think he's always a really interesting writer to tackle this kind of story. So, again, really looking forward to it. Four issues in total. No doubt it'll have the usual level of Grant Morrison madness. There are some nice preview pages. Uh, there are art and progress pages, so not finished material, but they look glorious uh, just in the DC Connect book. So, that would be the, the main Superman title I'd be looking forward to, and I don't say that lightly because usually anything Tom Taylor just goes straight to the top of the list. So, yeah, that's Superman and the Authority, one of four uh, I uh, I watched on Amazon Prime last night that uh, 
Grant Morrison documentary, Talking Talking with Gods. Um, really interesting. A lot of lot of creators featured in it. Um, I mean, he's a really interesting guy. Anyway, uh, his his take on things and 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 so forth. But he was talking about his uh, rivalry with Alan Moore. You know, the, uh, and that, and it's really interesting how he put it. You know, he, he felt like like Alan Moore dragged superheroes into our reality and into the grit and grime of our reality. And uh, his take was, why would why would you do that? Whenever superheroes are, are one of the last hopeful things we have left, you know, <laughs> which is funny. You know, whenever you describe Grant Morrison as dark, because he doesn't see himself that way. You know, but uh, yeah, worth really, really worth a look. It was on Amazon Prime. Um, yeah, Grant Morrison's just a born storyteller. Yeah. It doesn't matter how how insane the concepts he talks about in, but when you if you watch an interview with him or you know him breaking down something you believe every word that comes out of his mouth no matter how ridiculous it is uh keith and i were surmising maybe it's just that you know soft scottish accent you just can't help but believe but <laughs> yeah um but yeah as well as that just uh, another good one to throw out here so with action comics this month it hits action comics 1033 and this is going to be a brand new jumping on point for anybody who wants to get on the action comics so philip kennedy johnson will be continuing with action comics and he's going to be joined with art by daniel sampar and this looks really, really cool as well. This, again, is going to be a starting point. It's going to have a backup story featuring Midnighter from Becky Cloonan, uh, uh, Michael Conrad, and Michael Avan Oemin as well. So if you're looking to get into Action Comics, this is a good month to do it. This will be a new starting on point at Superman Action Comics 1033. So DC are also going to be bringing back some of the Milestone Comics uh, this month as well with some brand new titles. So these are... Uh, going to be written by a great variety of creators you've got Vita Ayala writing Static season one number one layouts by crisscross which just makes me think of a 90s rap group but I'm guessing yeah, that jump, is jump. probably not the same people <laughs> I would imagine and then they're also going to be launching Icon and Rocket season one which is actually the story is by Reginald Hudlin director of the greatest house party movie of all time otherwise known as Kid and Play's House Party. Uh, art by Doug Brathwaite on that one as well. So again, you're starting to see some preview pages coming through. Milestone Comics was an imprint uh, back in the 90s, I believe, that was focusing more on superheroes of color. And it's coming back now under the, under the DC banner. So something to keep an eye for there as well. The next one is one that actually might interest you, Roddy. So it's going to be The Conjuring, The Lover. So this is a, a new DC Horror Presents imprint uh there's going to be a main story by david l johnson mcgoldrick and rex ogle uh main story art by gary brown my most interested part in this though because i'm not a massive conjuring guy is the backup story by scott snyder and dennis cohen so is this one we might actually get you onto a dc title roddy i'm on plenty don't you worry (laughs) (laughs) i always worry about your dc intake roddy i always worry i um yeah it's it's an interesting one i like what they're i I really like what they're doing trying to you know use that um wb so sort of side of themselves and trying to get the get the film arm and kind of use a lot of tie-ins and stuff um yeah and like conjuring has about what five films now and in the grand uh don't want to say shared universe of it but um yeah it'd be it'd be a nice wee addition my i think it's a really cool idea so yeah don't worry, my, my DC pal will be going up and up and up. 
that's always what I like to hear. But no, I mean, I, I find it interesting. I'm always, uh, I always like the idea of trying to bring new readers to comics. And sometimes you do that by taking franchises or taking movies and trying to have that cross appeal. And DC have started it recently with Batman Fortnite, which a lot of comic snobs look down on and look at, at, at demeaning comics by incorporating things that are popular. But I mean, to me, that just brings a new audience to the medium and then they might discover oh, yeah. something else. And I think this is another yeah, good example. Sure. Yeah, so it's uh, it's going to be a, uh, I think it's going to be a five issue miniseries, this one, but it seems to be the start of this new imprint called DC Horror Presents and they're kicking off with The Conjuring. And if you have a little chance, seek out the cover for issue two because it looks like an old VHS. It is a beautiful cover. Oh, uh, cool. It's like a close-up of a woman and a, a shower above her, and it's blood dripping out from it, and it says in big letters, terror that won't wash off. And then we stick her on it saying, be kind, please rewind, and VHS. And It's a beautiful design, nice. that one. Yeah. Uh, speaking of oversized titles, uh, something that will definitely interest Keith here, Prestige Plus Format, three words, sure to turn Keith off a title no matter what it is. <laughs> so we're kicking off another Black Label title. This is going to be a three-issue Black Label title called Suicide Squad Get Joker number one. So this is Bran Azzarello on writing duties, although something that might bring Keith into this, Alex Malev on art. I, know I you're just a big saw fan. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. He might justify the uh, the larger format. So, yeah, this is uh, critically acclaimed and best-selling author Bran Azzarello, who worked on Batman Damned, but personally I would guide you more towards his masterpiece at Vertigo, 100 Bullets. Uh, and Eisner Award-winning art legend Alex Malev, who worked on, I, I can't believe Batman No Man's Land is their, their, their go-to here for Alex Malev. I mean, that, that man's a legend, has drawn nearly every superhero under the sun. Uh, collaborate for the first time in this three-issue oversized uh, Suicide Squad series pinning Red Hood, Harley Quinn, Firefly, and more of DC's most villainous criminals against the Joker. When Task Force X's Amanda Waller sets her sights on Batman's greatest foe, she enlists the Dark Knight's former partner Jason Todd to track down the clown Prince of Crime and put an end to his mad reign of terror. So straight away you've got you know, all the old stuff with Jason Todd, who of course the Joker beat to death. Uh, Jason Todd then coming back through the Lazarus pit, taking on the persona of Red Hood. So straight away, you've got that history there. So that interests me straight away. And the preview art again looks pretty lovely for this. Uh, nice double page spread of what looks like a prison break for breaking out some of Task Force X. So I will very much look forward to that. I wonder uh, who's going to get the Joker first. Is it going to be the Suicide Squad or is it going to be Commissioner Gordon? Well... I mean, that's that's always worth talking about just for how good that Joker title is. As you well know, massive fan of that. Uh, the next one up is something that... Uh, this will be something that I'll, put, I'll automatically put into people's pools for them if they're on the main title of this. So you've got a title at the moment, Batman Catwoman, which is a 12-issue miniseries by Tom Keane and uh, Clay Mann. There is going to be a Batman Catwoman special, number one. This is uh, still written by Tom Keane, but you've got a different artist on this one, which is John Paul Leon. Again, another industry legend on this. And this is a bugbear of yours, Keith, isn't it? I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's Tom King and, and John Paul Leon, as you say. Um, I just don't understand why they needed to do it. Why they, If you're going to do a 12-issue miniseries that is based on the... Uh, the 12 months leading up to Christmas or and, and has a, an advent calendar with 12 windows and all of that stuff. Why do you, why do you, why do you jump in with a special? 
that spoil the whole thing. <laughs> Especially when you have a Christmas tree on the front of a cover coming out in July. You know, there's just no yeah, need I'm for that. Case. No need yeah, for that at no all. Need. No need at all. <laughs> but yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a one off special. The blurb is: Some great romances are destined to be. The Batman Catwoman series shows readers the romance between Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle as it changed over their lives. But what about their connections from before they became costumed adventurers? Uh, the special one-off issue meticulously illustrated by John Polion traces the life of Selina Kyle from her earliest days to her entry into the criminal underworld and reveals that Bruce was actually a presence in her life all along. So again, I think it sounds really cool. I really like the cover. I know it's obviously Christmas themed, but I love like the stockings up on the mantelpiece with Bat-Cat on it and the, the pair of socks that just come into view. They're obviously relaxing and stuff like that. So uh, again, anything Tom Keane related, I'm a complete mark for. So, you know, I'm... I'll be straight on it. One that's actually getting a lot of early buzz and pre-orders in this are massive already, which is quite surprising, but it's a a Batman Secret Files one-shot, which is focusing on Huntress. So this is written by Mariko Tamaki, who is currently on Detective Comics, and the most recent issue of Detective had a great backup story involving Huntress, so I think she's definitely the right one to take this on. And the art is by David Lapham, and that really intrigues me because I read a really good Batman story recently called Batman City of Crime that David Lapham illustrated, and it was gorgeous. But yeah, the pre-orders in this are strong already. It's a one-shot focusing on Huntress returning, and it's Gotham's violent vengeance lived through a lot in the last few weeks, including her brain being invaded by a violent parasite bent on sending her on a deadly slugfest bender. Not fun, am I right? Well, Helena Bertinelli is no one to mess with, and when the villainous Viles parasite gives her the ability to see through the eyes of the victims, you best believe she's going to track them down and pop an arrow in that slime ball. Look out, Batman, Huntress is on the prowl. So, it seems to be kicking off a, a range of Batman secret files. There's one for The Signal as well, which was a character that uh, Scott Snyder introduced back in The New 52. That's going to be written by Tony Patrick and art by Christian Deuce. But the next one that really excites me, and I've got this on the board, so the, the board has made a triumphant return this month. The store is back open. We can put our five picks on the board. And this was one of my five picks. Uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for a buddy cop story in a superhero world. And this one is Blue and Gold, which is going to focus on a Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. And it's a really strong creative team. You've got uh, Dan Jurgens on Story and who created the character of Booster Gold, and you've got art by Ran Suk, who is, is a cracking artist as well. So, desperate to regain the spotlight, Booster Gold looks to attract the public's and Justice League's attention the same way any washed-up second-rate hero would social media. The not-so-tech-savvy hero from the 25th century enlists the help of his best friend, Blue Beetle, who possesses both the money and the brains to help his old pal navigate the scary world of internet influencers. Watch out, evildoers, our heroes are live and online. This book also makes me feel really old because it's all about social media and influencers. But buddy cop stuff, I'm on board for that, to be honest. So uh, I will very much look forward to that as well. The mm-hmm. next book I will let you take point on, Keith. This was this was one you were looking forward to, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I've got a wee bit of a weak spot for Shazam. Um, have done since, uh, since Bones author Jeff Smith put out... Uh, Shazam and the uh, the Monster Society of Evil, uh, quite some quite quite a few years ago, um, but yeah. So Shazam has got a, a number one issue. It's one of four. A story by Tim Sheridan, art by Clayton Henry, and it seems to be spinning out of Teen Titans Academy, which we've been we've been enjoying recently. 
Uh, says Billy Billy Batson came to the Titans Academy looking for answers. Uh, why was the rest of his uh, adopted family cut off from the power of Shazam? Why are his own powers becoming increasingly unreliable? The answers Billy the answers sent Billy in an outrageous adventure that will only change him, not only change him, but have an immense impact on the school and other students on Titans Island. So, four issue miniseries spinning out of Teen, Teen Titans Academy you probably can't do any harm. Not at all, not at all. I do love a good uh, Shazam story as well. I really enjoyed the Jeff Johns one he did recently, the the 12 issue. Were you on that one, Roddy, the 12 issue Shazam, or am I getting that confused with Martian Manhunter that you were on? Yeah, I was on Martian Man. I kind of I feel like I missed out in that Shazam series, though, so I might go back and check it out. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was Jeff Johns on writing duty, so it was, and it was mostly Dale Eagle's show on art, so it was a gorgeous-looking book as well. Uh, just a few things then just to finish off with on the DC side of things there's some really nice graphic novel collections and some very important graphic novel collections simply because the Batman Fortnite one has been solicited to come out in July uh, so Batman Fortnite zero points so the main reason I want to showcase this a little bit it's obviously proven to be a big title recently it's one that's wound me up a little bit with speculators and so forth and the dark side of the industry, but it has attracted a lot of new readers and with the hardcover collection, you are going to get all those bonus codes to get the skins to play in Fortnite in the game, which is uh, something that seems to appeal as much as the comic itself appeals. But yeah, there will be a hardcover collection of all six issues, so I can't implore you enough not to overpay for those single issues. Uh, if you if you do want to wait, the hardcover will come along, but there are also second printings and third printings coming along as well. Also, another black label title is finally hitting trade. This uh, seems to have been coming out forever. Uh, this is Joker Harley Criminal Sanity. So this was randomly an uh, an eight part story, I think, or nine part story, and it's it was another one that was a bit of a victim to the pandemic. It was three issues came out and then a new issue didn't come out for four or five months but it's a really cool series so it is it's written by Cami Garcia and art by Miko Suyon and Mike Mayhew and the the collection of that's going to be put together and again that is coming out in that's actually an advanced list by the look of it that'll be out in end of August by the look of it so but yeah, those are pretty much all the, the new releases. There are, of course, tons of great stuff continuing. You've got, you know, Batman 110 is continuing. It's uh, great stuff from James Tinian and Jorge Jimenez on that. You've got Batman Reptilian, which is one that's still available to pre-order number one of. That's a, a DC Black Label title written by Garth Ennis and art by Liam Sharp, which looks superb. I know Keith and I are both looking forward to Batman The Adventures Continue Season 2. There's a lovely cover in this month of a Nightwing fighting a Talon. So again, you're introducing mm -hmm. the Court of Owls, my, my little sweet spot there. You've also Satana on the cover as well. So that's going to be good. Uh, so plenty of good stuff in the Bat books. And then as you continue through, I did want to point out with Detective Comics, for example, this month we'll see a jumping on point for new readers with issue 1040. It's kicking off. I want tell me if this sounds familiar to a certain uh, Marvel title we're very much enjoying at the moment. Bruce Wayne behind bars. Interesting. So interesting. I mean, uh, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna homage, homage the best, as they say. So. Wait. Wait. <laughs> um, so yeah, so tons of other good titles continuing. You've got Bendis continuing on Justice League. There, you've got the the Chip Zdarsky Justice League mini series as well. Last Ride reaching issue three. Again, issue one still available for pre-order on that. 
another beautiful Nightwing cover there, which is going to be focusing on the mystery of Melinda Zuku, who, of course, has ties to the family that killed Dick Grayson's parents. And, of course, his dog, Haley getting a, uh, a showcase on the front cover as well, which is never a bad thing. Uh, Robin continuing. Loved the first issue of that with Joshua Williamson. Rorschach is speeding towards its conclusion and getting better and better. It's uh, reaching issue 10 in July of 12. And then just a couple of things to finish off on, just uh, reprints or new collections of classic stories that I'm certainly a big fan of. Uh, first of all, we have uh, Scott Snyder titles are starting to be re-released for um, from his Batman New 52 run. So they're putting together a couple of complete collections. One is of The Court of Isles, which again is one of my go-to Batman stories, certainly for new readers, but also for established readers alike. And then they're also putting together a collection for Zero Year. Zero Year was a wee bit up and down for me. It was uh, it was Snyder's exploration of sort of the early years Batman, but I love the designs of the characters. And it's it's a story where Riddler takes over Gotham. Batman really has to rely on his wits quite a lot. So that's another one coming along. And then the last two I wanted to throw out love for, simply because I'm such a mark for omnibuses these days, or omnibuy, we still haven't decided. Uh, there is The Fourth World by Jack Kirby on the bus. So story and art by Jack Kirby. This is when he came to DC. Uh, did a lot of stuff with The Fourth World, with Darkseid, with Orion, with Mr. Miracle, Granny Goodness. And uh, it wasn't a massive sales success at the time. And Kirby would have returned to Marvel and work on The Eternals, uh, amongst many other titles. But I've read some of this Fourth World stuff recently. And the, the imagination in it and the, the world building is superb. And I think it's getting a bit of a second lease of life. So... There is going to be this uh, lovely omnibus coming out. 1,536 pages. That's a lot of Jack Kirby goodness. Chunky, yeah, absolutely. That's big. And then just my <laughs> final one for DC is uh, a New 52 omnibus again. The New 52 gets a lot of hate, but there was a lot of good stuff in the New 52. And one of my favorite runs was on Justice League Dark. Uh, it is actually referred to as Justice League Dark Volume 1. And there's going to be a new 52 omnibus, which is even bigger. It's 1,648 pages. But it includes creators such as J.M. DiMatteis, Jeff Lemire, Ray Fox, Peter Milligan, artists such as Mikel Yannon, Ryan Souk. And uh, it's basically going to collect the Justice League Dark run from the new 52, which is 41 issues long. There's a couple of annuals in there. There's a couple of issues of Constantine, of I, Vampire, of Justice League of America and uh, a couple of crossover bits and pieces in there as well so that's going to be a cracking book and that is definitely going to my list and onto my omnibus shelf so that is me for dc tons of good stuff as i say lots of starting points lots of new number ones and, and some great trade and omnibus collections there as well so take it away on marvel then keith what are you looking forward to this month uh, plenty to plenty to look forward to for all of us i think um uh, top of the book, uh, we have Amazing Fantasy number one of five by uh, Kerr Andrews on uh, writing and art duties. And this, uh, there's a lovely hidden gem variant by uh, cover variant by Simone, Simone Bianchi as well. But it says, experience these heroes like never before. Red Room, Black Widow, Teenage Spider-Man, World War II, Captain America. The most iconic versions of your favorite Marvel characters from across time and space all wake up on an island of intrigue and darkness and amazing fantasy. Are they dead? Are they dreaming? Or have they been truly transported to another fantastical realm? Uh, and is there any way for them to return home? This isn't just a love letter to your favorite Marvel eras. 
It's a reinvestment in the seminal characters you've always loved, plucked from their quintessential timelines. Brought to you by Care Andrews. This is the one you've been waiting for, True Believers. It's one amazing fantasy for the ages. So uh, that's, uh, that's that sounds sounds pretty awesome. The uh, um, cover looks really interesting, doesn't it? Like this high fantasy sort of thing. It, it yeah. caught my attention. Not, uh, I wasn't too convinced by the cover art, just because, or not the by the interior art after I looked at that cover. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just like I, I don't really know what it's gonna be, but um, certainly it could be could be interesting and yeah. definitely, definitely worth. I like the play on amazing fantasy yes, too. It's absolutely. interesting. So. Um, yeah, I mean, just really interested to see see what it is. Same as you, Roddy. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't know, but it's five issues, and, and this is the first. So, uh, the big news in the Spider Man universe is that Doctor Octopus is back, and the Sinister War has begun. Uh, Nick Spencer and notably Mark Bagley on art, um, just about my favorite Spider Man artist of all time, uh, and this is a four issue mini series. Uh, there's a, a whole range of variant covers. Brian Hitch, Mark Bagley, Steve Ditko. Uh, interesting. Uh, connecting variant covers by Mark Bagley. Headshots covers, Gary Frank covers, Scott a Young cover. Uh, so uh, that'll be one for uh, for you guys, Alan. Absolutely. Um, but uh, it says Ark has got a new Sinister Six. And if you think he's... Uh, if you thought... If, if you think he's thought big in the past, think again. What Ock doesn't know is that Vulture has a sextet of his own, the Savage Six. It's an all-out war between two of the greatest villains in the Marvel Universe, and the only person they hate more than each other is Spider-Man. Spidey's in deep trouble with the toughest battle he's ever faced. Nick Spencer and Mark Bagley team up for this epic Spider-Man story guaranteed to shock readers everywhere. Um, so there's two issues of that out in... Uh, out in July. Uh, really looking forward to that again. The Mark Bagley art. Uh, I just couldn't. I couldn't look past it. So, and I think. I think this is something that Nick Spencer has been driving at for quite some time. Uh, so that that's going to be reflected in the Amazing Spider-Man title, uh, issue seventy and seventy-one. And I think. Uh, I think we're going to see. Uh, we're going to see um, uh, the Kindred return. Uh, and and be part of this as well. So, so really interesting. Extreme Carnage is uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson's uh, and Manuel Garcia's run at, at something Carnage related. I guess now that uh, now that Donny Cates and uh, Ryan Stegman have have moved on, looks like a series of one shots. Uh, so we've got Extreme Carnage Alpha, Extreme Carnage Scream, Extreme Carnage Fedge. Um, I, I I don't know. It seems to be highlighting. It seems to be bringing back Flash Thompson and highlighting the the Life Foundation, the, who are the, a group of of symbiotes made up of Scream, Fedge, Riot, Lasher, and the Agony. And uh, I have to say, I think I think I'm sort of carnaged out. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna be. I don't know if I'm gonna be jumping on this one myself. Um, it's, uh, the, the the format isn't. Isn't doing it for me. Philip Ke- Philip Kennedy Johnson uh, is great at, at, at everything he's doing, but uh, anyway, as it says, as the dust continues to settle after the species redefining King and Black saga, Eddie Brock and his son Dylan won't be the only ones learning to adjust to a new normal. Collectively called the Life Foundation, Symbiote, Scream, Fedge, Riot, Lasher, and Agony have tried to reconcile the sometimes noble intentions of their host with their often bloody impulses. 
But the Life Foundation symbiotes aren't the only one with a part to play in the story uh, and aren't the only symbiotes to find themselves reinvented after King and Black. They have an older sibling who may be reinventing uh, in his own right, Carnage. Um, so if, uh, if you still haven't had quite enough of symbiotes, uh, then uh, I would I would jump on this. There's uh, some interesting stuff happening in the X books, the uh, the foremost of which we we highlighted at the at the top of the top of the episode. Uh, so we have Jerry Duggan and Pepe Larraz uh, relaunching the X Men with a new first issue, coming off the back of Hellfire Saga. The whole the whole crux of the Hellfire Saga was the the the, the vote to enlist a new team of X-Men and who which mutants would be on that team from Krakoa. And the, the heroes of Krakoa are now here to save the planet. Uh, things might be complicated between the nation of Krakoa and the rest of the world, but the X-Men, for the X-Men, things are simple. You do what's right, you protect those who need protecting, and you save the world we all share. Cyclops, Marvel Girls, Sunfire, Rogue, Wolverine, Sync, Polaris are the chosen champions of mutant kind, and they will not shrink from any battle for their home planet. Uh, Jerry Duggan is on this. He's been great on Marauders uh, recently and, uh, and, a, and a variety of other things. And he's reteaming with Pepe Larraz, well known for House of X, X of Swords, to, uh, to chart uh, a new course for the X-Men in, uh, in the reign of X. So really looking forward to this. I mean, up until now, the X-Men book has been, uh, I guess, Jonathan Hickman's vehicle for, for, I guess, describing the politics and the society and the, the machinations on, on, on Krakoa. Uh, and its relationship to the outside world. So it'll be great to see the X-Men being X-Men again, uh, which is great. Mm. Um, so yeah, really, really excited about that. Um, in addition to X-Men 1, we also have we also have Sword number 7, and that's where uh, Alex, uh, Al Ewing will be kicking off the last Annihilation crossover, which crosses over with uh, his other book, Guardians of the Galaxy, in number 16. Um, X Corp 3, it's a book that hasn't launched yet, but it seems to be highlighting Multiple Man, this this issue. And I I mean, I love Multiple Man. He's uh, Jamie Madrox. Anytime his body impacts something, he can duplicate himself. Uh, and it seems X Corp are using Jamie Madrox as everything in X Corporation. So it says he's everywhere you want to be. Uh, he's, he's never not in the X office, and his direct reports always fall in line. How does X Corp meet their nearly impossible quotas with maximum... Synergy and minimal bandwidth. They've got Jimmy Madrox, and he's the world's best boss. So that's it's a book that hasn't launched yet, but I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And then, lastly, uh, in the in the X books this week, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, X Men Legends Five is bringing Peter David back to X Factor. Uh, and I'm I've always been a been a Peter David fan and an X Factor fan. So uh, really looking forward to uh, really looking forward to that issue. He's returning to. Uh, to, to place a missing piece of the X Factor puzzle alongside uh, Todd Nick. Uh, mutants have been taken hostage and X Factor is taking the blame, but before judgment is rendered for Polaris, Havoc, Wolfsbane, Strong Guy, Quicksilver, and Madrox, the multiple man, Val Cooper and X Factor will take the stand. But who's telling the truth and what really went down at the Latverian Embassy? It all makes sense from a certain point of view. So, really looking forward to that. Um, any of the X books jumping out at you guys? I'll probably jump uh, on X Men number gone. one. Yeah, I'll I'll jump on X Men number one just because it's uh, going back to sort of the superhero sort of thing. I am looking forward to that X Court just because I think those covers are an absolute triumph every single month. They are like a, a graphic designer's wet dream or something. They're so well put together. 
So, and I think X Corps is only going to be like a five issue, isn't it? Um, mm, yeah, so, I think so. And I'm enjoying the X Men Legends stuff. I've I've been on it from the start as well. But, but yeah, I I I sort of find with X stuff, I'm I'm happy enough with with trade mostly. Uh, although that new mutants cover is pretty glorious from Martin Simmons, the uh, artist of Department of Truth. Uh, that's that's a cover for Patty to uh, salivate over, I would say. <laughs> um, well, moving on from the X-Books on to the book that I am looking forward to most in July from Marvel. Um, what we've got is uh, the return of Moon Knight under Jed McKay, who is the current writer on, on Black Cat. Um, Jed McKay, Alessandro uh, Capuccio, uh, who was well known for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and Over the Garden Wall uh, are back on are back on Moon Knight. Moon Knight is, is a character I love. He's, he's very often uh, given the short shift as yeah, and described as, mm. as Marvel's version of Batman, but I, I just don't think that there's certainly elements of that. But I just don't I don't think it's the case. He's such a, a very very literally a multi layered character, um, and, and and I think they seem to be leaning into the 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 dissociative identity disorder that, uh, that typifies uh, Moon Knight. So in the, this return of Moon Knight, the mysterious Mr. Knight has opened his midnight mission, his people petitioning for protection uh, from the weird and horrible. The Moon Knight stalks the rooftops and alleys marked with his present moon tag, uh, bringing violence to any who would harm his people. Mark Spector, in whichever guise he, uh, he dons, is back on the streets, a renegade priest for a, of an unworthy god. And while Conchu languishes in prison, uh, that the Moon Knight put him in. Moon Knight must still observe his duty, protecting those who travel at night. Let it be known, Moon Knight will keep the faith. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what Jed McKay does with this, uh, does with mm. Moon Knight. And they, he seems um, to be pitching off what's happened recently in Avengers with the, the Edge of Khonshu uh, story arc, wherein uh, Moon Knight, uh, I guess, turned against the Avengers and, and then eventually turned against his own his own god uh, and imprisoned him so it's yeah it's good stuff it's good stuff what were you gonna yeah. say right there um i'm i'm looking forward to it big time i'm obviously a wee bit skeptical that it's just appeared at the same time as the tv show uh-huh. um but i'm really looking forward to that it's got two two of my favorite actors in it um we've got ethan hawk and um Oh, I can't remember his name now. Oscar Isaac. A blank. What do you call Oscar Isaac? That's the one. Mm-hmm. Two sort of thespians in a in a Marvel TV show, which I'm looking forward to. But Moon Knight, he's sort of one of those. You were saying he doesn't get the fair fair shake of it because he's compared to Batman, but sometimes his books don't seem to get a fair shake. I remember there was was the last volume was Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood, mm-hmm. and it was really really good, but it only lasted like. I think it was like 14, 15 issues or something. And it was yeah. a brilliant, brilliant series, but like it's gone after a year. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, call me skeptical. Um, I don't, I just don't like being burnt, but um, I'll look forward to it. But um, uh, like, I suppose they have, you know, it kind of, it kind of makes sense to tie it all in. And if you can bring, I think the goal is to bring, you know, people over from these TV shows, mm-hmm. like to yeah. get, get yeah. them reading the books. So, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. So good, good creative team too. So and a, a Steve McNiven cover and also a variant cover by John Romita Jr., which is always nice to see. The art looks fantastic. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean, Roddy. Uh, Moon Knight never seems to last too long. 
Uh, but I'm sure we can enjoy him while he's here. Well, maybe it's a case of it's just good timing of giving him a good shake when there is the TV show on the way, capitalize on that extra exposure, and then maybe you can have a longer-running series. But for this number one, my wallet's going to take a pounding because there's about six covers that are just absolutely glorious. Uh, mm-hmm. That Gerardo Safino one is incredible. Uh, the John Romita Jr. one is just a great throwback. The Bill Sinkovitz one is great. The Steve McNiven one's great. And, of course, I'll inevitably have to get a Scotty Young one for Vicky as well. So, yeah, my wallet's <laughs> going to take a pound in on that number one. <laughs> um, and are those variants all... I think most of them are free to order. The only one that the only one that seems to be not is the Bill Sinkovitz. It's a hidden gem variant, which uh, usually requires a large amount of um, a large amount of orders. Lovely. Okay. Well, Um, we'll see what we can do. We can get uh, we can get Stephen from your street team to uh, see what he can do. (laughs) Drum up some orders. (laughs) You might be right. You might be right. Um. The uh, the entire uh, symbiote Spider Man crew, Greg Land and, and Peter David, are, are at it again. They've done three of these symbiote Spider Man series, uh, and they're kicking off a another one of five issue series called Crossroads, which seems to be putting Peter Parker and his alien costume in a collision course with the Incredible Hulk. Uh, so we'll be looking forward to that. That's been those those uh, symbiote Spider Man series have been phenomenal. Um, We've got a one shot uh, in the in the world of aliens that the alien book, the first two issues of it from from Marvel have been brilliant by Philip Kennedy Johnson. So this is this is celebrating Aliens' 35th anniversary uh, by Benjamin Percy. It's a book called Aliens Aftermath. Uh, it's been 35 years since the tragedy of Hadley's Hope co- Colony, but what happened to those to that ill-fated adventure has been shrouded in mystery. A renegade crew of investigative journalists are heading towards the moon that Weyland Jitani has wiped from all records and will bring back the truth even if it kills them. And what remains in the bomb site will try to do just that. Benjamin Percy, David uh, watched her imagine a terrifying possible future for LV-46 in this celebration of the 35th anniversary of one of the most influential science fiction movies of all time. So uh, that could be interesting. Uh, nice. I would say, have you uh, have you looked at that uh, aliens book at all, Rory? No, <laughs> it's so um, good. Flip, it's I feel like so um, really, I feel I, I don't know. I feel I think I talked about it last time, didn't I? I feel like I'm a bit negative on it because I this was my fe- my fear that you know one alien book would appear and then another and another and another and another and it would it would be sort of watered down, but um. Uh, yeah, 35th anniversary with this one of Aliens, you know, fair enough. But um, I think I might get this one and I'll maybe maybe check out that um, the Alien series and maybe trade or something. Because mm-hmm. if you say it's good, then that's that's all I need. That's very decent of you to say. Um, <laughs> Spider's Shadow hits issue four, which I believe was supposed to be the final issue of this Chip Zdarsky uh, What If book. Was that right, Alan? Yeah, what it was it's... originally solicited as four, but now it's magically grown another issue okay good enough well it's 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 an enjoyable enough book so can't complain um the fantastic four uh hits issue 34 under dan slot with uh, rb silva on art and it's the conclusion of the bride of doom but they're 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 indicating uh it's 60 years of the fantastic four and they're indicating on a 
on a separate page, the biggest change to a Fantastic Four member since Fantastic Four number one in 1961. And they've got a big flame on there. So it looks like uh, something is going to happen to uh, to Johnny uh, in this fateful chapter. Uh, Doctor Doom's actions will change the life of one of the members of Marvel's first family in a profound way. So I'm interested in that. Uh, we mentioned uh, a new arc for Thor. Um, that's the the Revelation arc, which uh, which looks like it's gonna it's gonna bring uh, Thor into into conflict with with Captain America somewhere along the line, which should be be interesting. Um, Daredevil, which uh, we're we're huge fans of, uh, seems to be kicking off a new uh, a new arc under Chip Zdarsky. Uh, and I see Mike Hawthorne as an art. Um, says the Angel of Death has come to Hell's Kitchen in New York City. A series of grisly murders tests Electra's metal and commitment to her new role as the Daredevil. Uh, and this, as the city spirals to a state of near panic. Meanwhile, Matt Murdock faces tests and challenges of his own as the inmates he's serving time alongside aren't the ones in the prison targeting him. So uh, it seems to be, I don't know if it's so much a jumping on point. It seems very much... But it's it is the start of a new of a new arc. Um, I spoke to someone about this in store the other day because they were looking to get on the Zdarsky's Daredevil, and it really is just one big arc. It is, of course, broken down into different subsets and different trade paperbacks and so forth. But for me, this really is one big story that Zdarsky's weaving. Mm -hmm. So, it, especially with obviously Electra being Daredevil at this point, it, it's hard to recommend the jumping on point. I think, uh, it, other than yeah, go back to yeah. issue one. Well, uh, that is that is absolutely true, absolutely true. But uh, either way, you should jump on it because Daredevil is fantastic. Very much. So. Um, Star Wars Corner: War of the Bounty Hunters continues uh, apace. Uh, so we're sitting uh, at issue two of the main series in July, but they're launching uh, a one-shot Star Wars: War of the Bounty Hunters Jabba the Hutt by Justina Ireland. Um, Jabba the Hutt is one of the most powerful and ruthless gangsters in the galaxy, and Boba Fett, his most trusted bounty hunter, has failed him. How will Jabba deal with the betrayal violently? And what does this have to do with the bounty hunter with the ties with ties to the High Republic? Justina Ireland and Luca Pizzari's hot size spectacular is the first of four action-packed War of the Bounty Hunter tie-ins about the criminal underworld's most uh, notorious hunters and scoundrels, all told by the best of Star Wars writers and illustrators in the galaxy. Um, so that is interesting. And then just kicking into, uh, into omnibus and hardcover territory here, I think the big one uh, that uh, that can't be overstated is the Ultimate Spider-Man Omnibus Volume One uh, by Brian Michael Bendis and Bill Jemis, penciled by Mark Bagley. Uh, in the year two thousand, Marvel launched the Ultimate Universe, uh, reinventing Spider-Man and his mythos uh, for a new millennium. Now, the first three years of Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley's fan-favourite award-winning take on the Web Slinger are collected in one oversized volume. Relive Peter Parker's early days as Spider-Man, learning to fight crime by trial and error as he struggles to balance his new life with the demands of high school, puberty, homework and dating. Uh, even with the help of his best friend Mary Jane Watson, Peter has a heavy load to bear, but the neophyte Spider-Man is making enemies left and right, including Green Goblin, Kingpin, Dr. Octopus, Craven the Hunter, and the maniacal Venom. Unless he can rise to the occasion, Spidey may not survive until the prom. So this collects the first 39 issues of, uh, of Ultimate Spider-Man, along with the, the half issue um, that came out at the time. This has been really hard to get, these, these initial issues you know through various trades even or whatever so if 
you know, you listen to our, uh, our our Spider-Man starting points episode all those years ago. Uh, well, months ago anyway, and uh, you enjoy the idea <laughs> it feels of like uh, years. it does, uh, and you enjoy the idea of Ultimate Spider-Man, which I recommended at the time. This would be one to jump on for sure. Um, yeah. And then, go ahead, Roddy. Well, no, I was going to say I couldn't agree more. I have the first. Um, I think a long time ago, I'd sort of collected the first ten volumes. I think it's the first ten volumes of it, um, and I, I'm really looking to get back into it. Um, so I think I'll probably be picking this up, but um, yeah, I hope they I hope they continue because how long did it last for? Uh, it was hundred fifty years issues, years, I think. It? I think it was about hundred and fifty yeah. odds. So yeah, it was, but so. this is this has been long, long time the most requested omnibus, certainly in our store, and I think just in the comic community at large. The as Keith said, the even the omnibuses of this are hard to get. The single issues are hard to get. The trades are hard to get, and I'm surprised it's taken them this long. To be honest, now with with pre-orders for us with omnibus or omnibuy, we're really not going to settle on that in this one, are we? Uh, all new Wolverine has been our biggest so far for pre-orders. So we had seven people pre-ordered it, which is a lot for for you know more expensive omnibus. But I have a feeling this is going to smash it out of the water. We've already got about ten pre-orders for this. It's it's been so long in the making and so requested. Uh, I mean, yeah. how how many omnibus get three different covers as well? You know what I mean? There's <laughs> there's an original cover and there's a Casada cover and there's a Mark Bagley cover. I'm a stickler for just the main cover oh, because nice. it's a Spider-Man series there's been people requesting the venom cover by mark bagley and while it is a nice cover venom gets enough time in the spotlight this is a spider-man book i just want that classic <laughs> spider-man cover <laughs> and is it uh advanced solicit or is it july it is an advanced solicit it's a, an advanced solicit for november that would make yeah. a good you know what? It certainly would. It certainly <laughs> would. Um, and lastly, from me, also an advanced solicit for November. I can't. I can't look past the the Spider-Man Life Story hardcover. So hardcover version of just about one of the best stories to come out of comics in the last couple of years uh, by Chip Zdarsky and Mark Bagley, who gets a mention again. Oh, and, that's uh, some series. Yeah, I mean it was so it was so good. Six six issue uh, Spider Man life story uh, and the annual collected. Um, Spider Man makes history in 1962's Amazing Fantasy number 15. Teenage Peter Parker was bitten by a radioactive spider and became the Amazing Spider Man. Nearly 60 years have passed in the real world since that event. So what would happen if that amount of time passed for Peter? In celebration of an icon, Zdarsky and Bagley spin a unique Spidey tale, telling the entire life of Spider Man from beginning to end, set against the key events of the decades through which he lived, from the Vietnam War to secret wars to civil war, uh, all the way through to what just might be a 72-year-old Spider-Man's final mission. Uh, prepare to watch Peter Parker edge by the issue, now in hardcover and uh, including the brand new annual teal. Brilliant. Yeah, it's a nice nice opportunity as well with them including awesome. that annual that's, that's due to come out as well. So that's very comprehensive. I must admit there was one other omnibus I thought that you would uh, certainly highlight, Keith. The Captain Britain omnibus. Mm, I thought about it. I thought about it. I mean, just look at that powerhouse creative uh, team on it. Chris Claremont, Jamie Delano, Herb Trimp, John Buscema, Alan Davis. Oof, that's a lot of talent on that. And it's a, it's a great story as well. Um, you know, from 
Follow the United Kingdom's greatest champion from the streets of London to the mystic realm of Otherworld. Brian Braddock, handpicked for uh, for greatness by the sorcerer Merlin, uh, has made the faithful, faithful choice between the Sword of Might and the Amulet of Right and become a new hero. Now thrilled to a complete collection of Captain Britain's iconic UK adventures, from questing alongside the Black Knight, one of my favourites, to battling Jim Jaspers and the Fury to prevent Earth from becoming a crooked world. Uh, but when Brian suffers a crisis of faith and a sister bets, will his will his sister Betsy, who we know better as Psylocke, inherit the mantle? Featuring the special executive, the Warpies, Captain Britain Corps, Megan, and more. There's big collection, big omnibus. Yeah, and then I think just one last thing worth throwing out a bit of uh, info on is Marvel are starting to print these mighty Marvel masterworks where they're essentially reprinting the earliest issues of certain titles. So I think last month there was uh, an Amazing Spider-Man one, which is going all the way back to Amazing Fantasy 15 and, and that initial run. And then I think there was a Fantastic Four one. Well, this month we have the mighty Marvel masterworks X-Men volume one. So this is going right back to the beginning with Stan Lee on writing, Jack Kirby on art. And this is going to collect X-Men, which kicked off in 1963, issues 1 to 10 as well. These seem to be the new way that Marvel are starting to collect the early stuff uh, so that people can actually get in on these stories from the absolute very beginning. So, yeah, really strong month for Marvel. You know, I obviously I tend to be more of a DC guy, but there's a, a heck of a lot of stuff in that which will appeal to me. And uh, a lot of good jumping on points for new readers as well. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. strong stuff all around. So, now it's your job to follow that, Roddy. Hit us with some indie stuff. Obviously, we'll all chat our way through this because we're all all indie guys at heart, I think. But you kick us off, Roddy. Yeah, no worries. So we will go where we'll go. We'll start with image first, probably. Um, so the first one we've kind of got picked out, and I think was this a Vicky pick on the board? Isn't this it? is M O M Mother of Madness number one of three. This is by Game of Thrones superstar Amelia Clark, who debuts an extra length three issue miniseries. The mayhem begins with Maya, under-the-weather scientist by day, over-the-top superhero by night, and badass single mom 24-7. Can't believe I just said that. Um, yeah. Deadpool action and fleabag comedy collide when Maya activates her freakish superpowers to take on a secret sect of human traffickers, mature readers only. Um, obviously, Amelia Clark has written it with uh, Marguerite Bennett, and the artist is Layla Lies. So, um, yeah, I really like the cover for it, um, but it doesn't really sound like my bag, Deadpool and Fleabag, but I'm sure it'll appeal to a lot of people. What about you guys? Well, it's an interesting one, even down to the format as well. You you'd spoke before about Image experimenting with format a bit, and yeah. it's just going to be three issues, but each issue is oversized. It's almost annual size, so 48 pages each time. So. I think it looks intriguing enough. Again, I'm always I'm always a fan of something that'll maybe bring in new readers and obviously fans of Game of Thrones or fans of Amelia Clark will probably give this a go in the same way that, you know, Kenny Reeves brought people onto comics through Berserker and mm. so forth. So I think it looks intriguing enough. I'll I'll certainly give the first issue a uh, a, a go. Yeah. It's certainly if you see the cover, it's um reminiscent i think uh what do you call the russian is it pussy riot the russian group if you see the mask on the cover it's really ah, of course. intriguing yeah um keith you mentioned earlier on about the grant morrison documentary you watched yes 
Well, funny, I don't know if that was coincidence or not, but we'll jump to Images Other, one of three issue miniseries. This is Siphon, written by Patrick Meany. Um, we've also got Jeff Edwards and Mohsen Az- Azraf. Um, this is Siphon. Um, this is in, published with Top Cow. And Patrick Meany is the director, the person ah. that made that very grumpy person. Um, so that, if you didn't know, that was a tie-in. That's incredible. That's <laughs> that, that that's phenomenal. Actually, I I had a look at this, and it really looks interesting. Um, it really does, doesn't it? I love. Um, there was an interview with him for Bleeding Cool, and he says Siphon explores how much of a burden we can take on ourselves and trying to help others and the world around us. Um, after the past few years of world events, it feels extremely relevant to ask how much can you do to try and save the world before you destroy yourself. Um, so it, in, Siphon introduces a new super, supernatural empath who's entrusted with the power to sense and siphon pain from others. Silas is now available, or sorry, is now able to directly ease the suffering of people around him. But the more he uses the gift, the more it curses him with carrying the series of those he's helped. Tormented by a solitude, Silas is befriended by a drifter who eventually draws him into an ages-old war that uh, has raged for control of the human condition. Yeah, sounds absolutely awesome, and the art is fantastic. Uh, it says, evokes the lore of Neil Gaiman's American Gods, paired with the psychological thrills of M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable. Tick, tick. <laughs> <laughs> they know how to get you. Definitely. Yeah, they really do. Uh, so what's what's our next one? We'll go to... We've got Mirka Andolfo, Sweet Paprika, number one. Uh, I think this was also on the board. Can't remember who's picked this another, was. Another Vicky pick. She, she really another likes Vicky Mirka Andolfo's yeah. stuff. You know, she did a great miniseries, Mirka Andolfo's Mercy, which was rather good, and yep. currently enjoying another one called Deep Beyond. So this is another new one coming from her. Nice. And there is Unnatural too, I think, was not another one. No. Um, but this uh, Paprika is a successful businesswoman, a New Yorker of Italian origin. And I believe Merca's Italian. I believe this might be a bit semi-autobiographical. Job and career consume her, forcing her to neglect her personal needs as well as her friends and her family. Her heart is broken from a previous relationship and its consequences and a rigid upbringing has made her very introverted person she wants a romantic relationship but she doesn't know what she's doing not like dale and naive and suave delivery boy with an, an angelic attitude handsome and always surrounded by beautiful women falling for him he doesn't have to worry in the world and this makes paprika very nervous but he's the guy who can help her with the feelings and with the sex british jones's diary meets sex in the city with a pinch of the devil wears prada in a new international hit by acclaimed creator mirka and Dolfo. Yeah, I'm sure that is awesome. That will be really interesting. Um, do you get um, that's a, it? Do you know, it doesn't sound like a male oriented book, but hey, maybe it is. I don't know. But do you get many uh, people on I mean, that sort of stuff? Mir Gandolfo is one of those creators that. It, it seems to be, um, it defines what her book is going to be like so much that they will always put her name in the title. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not mm-hmm. like it's yeah. Tom Taylor's Seven Secrets or it's James Tinney and the Forest Department of Truth. 
But always with Mir Gandolfo, they put her name first because she's very, you know, well respected within the industry and has a very distinct style. Yeah, I mean, Mercy was yeah. was a, was a decent sized hit for us. Deep Beyond has a has a good few people on it as well. So I think it's another one of those. Obviously, our main advice is always, you know, following creators. So I think that uh, yeah. there will be a few people certainly jump on that. No, I was going to say she's not um, she's not someone I'm very familiar with. You know, that's maybe a blind spot on my part in that sort of slice of life sort of uh comic i think that's sort of something i've sort of missed in my kind of my own fandom so i might yeah i might look into that sounds really interesting mercy for example it just recently went on to the image first imprint so you can get issue one Mm -hmm. of mercy for a pound and we we've copies of that in store so you can certainly jump on to that uh, but no, I was going to say that the, the main one I wanted to showcase from Image, this is on the board as one of my picks, and this is a, a big celebratory event, which is Skybound X or Skybound 10. We're not quite sure, but we're going to go with Skybound X number one, obviously the X standing for the Roman numeral uh, to represent 10. It's been 10 years of Skybound, which is essentially Robert Kirkman's section of the Image Comics empire. And they're doing a five-issue miniseries that is going to celebrate 10 years. And they're going to be doing all new stories for different Skybound um, different Skybound titles. So to give you an idea, it's going to be weekly. It's going to be pulling in talent such as Robert Kirkman, James Harron, Ran Audley, Chip Zdarsky, Joshua Williamson, Ramon K. Perez, Andrea Bressan, Brandon Thomas, Carrie Randolph, Erica Henderson, Daniel Warren Johnson... Kyle Stark so there's a ton of uh, great creators in this and each issue is essentially going to be an anthology book and you're going to get brand new stories set within the worlds of Image Skybound titles so for example issue one is going to have a a serialized Walking Dead story called Rick Grimes 2000 which is by Robert Kirkman and Ryan Oddly it's hard to look at that cover and not just think of uh how Rick Grimes has basically become a Jedi with a lightsaber taking out zombies. But <laughs> each issue is going to have new stories, as I say. So on issue one, you're getting new stories from Ultra Mega, which is something uh, Roddy and I are very much enjoying, <laughs> and Manifest Destiny. Issue two, you're going to get uh, a debut of a major new Stillwater character and also a new story set during Birthright. Issue three, this is one for you, Keith. We're going to get a new installment of uh, Science Dog. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Mark Grayson's favorite comic. You're also going to have some new Murder Falcon stories. Then in issue four, you've got new Redneck stories and Excellence, another title we all very much enjoy. And then in issue five, you're going to get new Gasolina, Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, plus the uh, the last story of Rick Grimes. So Rick Grimes 2000 is going to run through all five issues. It's, it's basically a five-parter, but then it's always going to be supplemented by individual stories. So... You know, I, I don't think it's too much to say of how much, how important Robert Kirkman has been to Image Comics. You know, he's the only creator that is now a CEO that is not one of the original founders. And that comes down to his passion for the industry, his ability to just knock out hit after hit, whether it was Walking Dead, it was Invincible, you know, more modern stuff like Firepower and like uh, Die, Die, Die and like Oblivion Song. I mean, the man just loves the industry. And for this to be a celebration of his imprint, I think this is something to really, really look forward to because you'll just feel the love pouring off of every single page, you know, the reverence for the industry. So, again, uh, pre-orders on that are already pretty big. So I think that's going to be uh, it's going to be a big one to look out for. And all five issues are out in July. They are indeed weekly series. So yeah, new series, new it's one really cool one. So July, that means July is a five-week month, is it? 
It is indeed uh, something we nice. probably should have something we probably should have said because there were a couple of annuals in the DC connected in the Marvel book as well, and you usually get annuals when there's five week five week release months. Oh, uh, cool. Um, okay, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, from Image that Ordinary Gods by Kyle Higgins and Felipe Watanabe. It uh, looks like it's right up my street. It starts with the sentence that says, for fans of the old guard. <laughs> uh, for fans of the old guard and God Country comes the extra-length first issue of a century-spanning action epic from writer Kyle Higgins, uh, Radiant Black, and artist Felipe Watanabe, The Flash, The Luminary, The Prodigy, The Brute, The Trickster, The Innovator, Five Gods from a Realm Beyond Our Own, Leaders in the War of Immortals. At least they were before they were trapped, sent into a planet made into a made in a prison, uh, forced into an endless cycle of human death and reincarnation. Christopher is 22. He's got two loving parents and a 12-year-old sister. He works at a paint store. He's in therapy. He's one of the five, which means in order to save everyone he cares about, Christopher will have to reconnect with his past lives and do the unthinkable, become a god again. An ensemble cast of recognisable characters, similar to the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, dropped in a high-stakes fantastical word to rival Game of Thrones. That does sound interesting. Every, like I liked how it was one for Keith with uh, fans of the old guard, and then one for fan, one for Alan with uh, God Country too. But <laughs> I love both those books. So Cal, Cal Higgins and Radiant Black too have been really enjoying that. Yeah, big um, style, Roddy. So yeah. it's it's cool. It's really cool how it happens because he's, I think, uh, was it the third issue of Radiant Black was just out, and I. There he is. He's got another number one at Image, you know. So I'd love to, love to know if that's just you know, not not luck per se, but is that just chance that it, chance or fate or whatever that those kind of books come out so close to each other, you know? Mm. But uh, yeah, what else? So what else are we going for? Well, I'll let Alan. There's another one for Alan to take charge on. What would that be? Would that be a certain John Lehman title that is making its yes, triumphant it return? Yeah. yeah, so obviously I'm a, a massive fan of Chew, uh, C-H-E-W, uh, the original John Lehman, Rob Guillory title. And then there was a, a follow-up series, or it's more of a prequel. And we were, we were fortunate enough, Keith and I, to, to chat to John Lehman about it. He has a lot of passion for this series. He's essentially doing like one-off arcs over and over, and while there is an audience for it, he'll he'll keep putting it out. So he put out a prequel series called Chew, which was C-H-U, which he always referred to as his uh, Better Call Saul to Chew's Breaking Bad. And it's making its return this month, so this will be the second arc with Chew number six. The uh, trade is available for Chew Trade Paperback Volume 1, which covers the first arc, which I believe a, a certain podcaster right here picked up the other day. I did indeed picked it up on Friday. Um, I obviously were kind enough to to loan me all of the uh, the Chew uh, omnibuses omnibuy, uh, <laughs> and uh, I read through them. And uh, I didn't I didn't jump on Chew this new series um, at first. So uh, so yeah, a chance to pick up a, a, an image a trade paperback and, and have we look at it. it's always a good thing. And uh, yeah, you can go back and listen to our. Our interview with uh, with John Lehman, as Alan says, um, a little further down the down the playlist. Absolutely. So yeah, it's coming back with two number six. So again, this will be a jumping on point. Each story arc is going to be self contained, but this one is called "She Drunk History Part One." Felon, parole violator, fugitive, Chibopar. 
Foodpard master criminal Saffron Chu is back, staring down the barrel of the biggest and strangest score of her career. Return to the Chuniverse uh, once again for Saffron's second blood-soaked adventure and an alcoholic art heist that spans the centuries. So, uh, mixing Chu with the heist genre, yes please. <laughs> nice, so well, I've got one more for Image which looks absolutely freaking class. Um, this one is by EPHK, which I think is epic um, to the kids. Um, so this um, real name, Nicholas Peyronet, he successfully crowdfunded this graphic novel last year, and it is Morris Fallis, which, if you don't know, is a valley in Mars, on Mars, should I say. And this is a, a trippy sci-fi adventure, 128 pages in a martian language apparently and it just looks awesome um trippy sci-fi inspired by 70s mexican historietas and told entirely in martian um ironically it's eligibility makes it readable for just about anyone which is which is a really interesting selling point so obviously i would say a lot of um i love i just love experimental stuff like this and if you get a chance to look at the art it's absolutely really intriguing and trippy and fantastic it just looks looks like a lost gem or something from the 70s and a very very european aesthetic even though he's talking about mexican history edits and all that sort of stuff so looks like classic sci-fi to me so i think that is definitely one i'll be picking up and i love um even though it says a martian language it I think to me that kind of indicates a silent comic, which is something I'm always a big fan of. So, mm. whenever I first saw the title, I thought it was Welsh. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it is. Mar Marth, Marth is it is Welsh for Marth, oh, right. I believe. Yeah, there we are. I believe so. Yeah. There we go. Your um, your instincts yeah. were dead right there, Keith. Dead. <laughs> Keith, would you like to take us to Dark Horse and oh. one of your picks? I certainly would, because I know it's going to be one of yours as well. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Dark Horse are at the, at the I guess, the, the big book that they're putting out in July is Masters of the Universe Revelation number one of four, co-written by Kevin Smith and Rob David, who are the executive producers on the new Netflix uh, Masters of the Universe series, also named Masters of the Universe Revelation. And also uh, co-written by Tim Sheridan, who uh, we talked about earlier, who's the writer on Shazam uh, and is also an episode writer for the series. So this is the official prequel to the upcoming Netflix series. It says, following a vicious Orlax attack on his father, King Randor, He-Man learns the creature is linked to the origin of the Sword of Power. To save Randor and put an end to the chaos, He-Man embarks on an epic journey that pits him against his longtime foes, Skeletor and Evelyn, and sees Tila take the reins of a powerful legacy uh so uh, yeah really looking forward to that we bit of uh, we bit of masters of the universe uh, goes far with me how did uh, um how did they get the the license i i thought that was dc was it not um uh, the license is bounced about or a is bit it? uh so it has because wasn't it it was only the well time time is gone a wee bit for me with all this lockdown stuff but surely it was only was it last year when yeah, dc it had not the... long ago certainly mm -hmm. yeah probably yeah. could be two years now <laughs> yeah i mean i i guess probably there's been with with netflix picking up you know the license to to make masters of the universe 
revelation. There's probably been a wee bit of rejigging with licensing and and so forth and so on. So uh, so this is this yeah. is obviously, you know. But it definitely feels just, like like Tila is going to have a really a really front facing role in this in this series, uh, yeah. which is interesting. So it's probably something to do with uh, what was it? She Shira and the Princess of Power that was a really big hit for Netflix too. Mm-hmm. So That's right. yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting that that it just sort of slipped through the net almost there wasn't a big big sort of deal made out of it but yeah i i can't wait so i'm really looking forward to that netflix series too mm-hmm. so uh, i've got another dark horse one which is really intriguing it's uh, more of an art book than a comic book but it's um by yoshitaka armano who's uh, basically one of the most famous Japanese artists of all time started work on speed racer and he's known for working on final fantasy vampire hunter D and he also won a Bram Stoker award for working with Neil Gaiman on Sa- uh, Sandman's the dream hunters. So this book, I really like the sound of it. It's called elegant spirits and it's a Mano's tale of Genji and fairies um, I'll read you the blurb. Yoshitaku Armano has visualized other worlds and wonders as artist of Final Fantasy game series. Now, with elegant spirits, our own world's ancient treasures of literature and legend are richly evoked through Armano's paintings and illustrations. Elegant spirits first contains Amano's adaptation of the tale of Genji, a psychological exploration of courtly love written a thousand years ago by Lady Murasaki and often considered to be one of the earliest novels ever written. Second half of Elegant Spirits is Amano's Fairies, which is his portrayals of the many magical beings of English and Celtic lore, which that was kind of my interest peaked, um, from Brownies and Seely Court to Merlin and Nimue to Shakespeare's Puck and Titania. The, the images of Elegant Spirits are accompanied by excerpts of text, poetry, and the stories that accompany these unforgettable figures of the past. So, yeah, um, that is an advanced solicit for September, I believe, but it's um, prices $40 for a huge 160-page uh, hardcover. So I'm really digging that. That's right up my my sort of street. Uh, where will we go to next? Um, go to Alan. Tell us about a young a young knight. Well, you know, it, it certainly wouldn't be a uh, podcast and an upcoming previews podcast without mentioning the little Tin Knight himself. So, Kanto again has, has been a long-time favourite of the store and of the pod, and uh, we're going to be reaching Volume 3 of Kanto. So, we're currently enjoying Kanto in the City of Giants, which is a sort of a side quest series set between Kanto 2, The Hollow Men, and what will be starting in July, which is Kanto 3, Lionhearted. So this is going to be a six-issue mini-series as well. So reuniting the original creators, writer David M. Boer and artist Drew Zucker. So fan favorite Kanto continues. The tiny clockwork knight in search of a heart has found his people's freedom and has saved them from the curse of the shrouded man. But is he ready to face his enemy on the battlefield? After making the ultimate sacrifice, Kanto bears a weapon that could defeat the Shrouded Man and free all of the inhabitants of the unnamed world. Now he races to find the hidden settlement of his former slavers to enlist them as allies in the coming war. That is, if the Shrouded Man doesn't find them first. This July, join the latest adventure in the Kanto-verse that Major Spoilers called a quest story to savour. Yeah, don't worry about what Major Spoilers said. Just listen to the Coffee and Heroes podcast and we say it is awesome. Uh, Recently announced for an adaptation as well. It's 
we we've always said it was a universal book you know it's when we when we were lucky enough to chat that david and drew david always made the big distinction of this is not a kid's book there's a massive difference between a kid's book and an all ages book and that's what canto is i think no matter what your age you will get something out of uh, the canto books and by the time canto 3 hits in single issue form the second trade should be out as well so perfect time to get caught up that's on canto's awesome. adventures yeah i i absolutely love canto yeah um so we were talking about John Lehman earlier, so we're going to move to another IDW title, and this one is called Bermuda, written by multiple Eisner Award-winning writer John Lehman, famous for Chew, um, and also with gorgeous art by Nick Bradshaw, who's done Spider-Man and Wolverine. There's a region in the Atlantic Ocean where planes disappear, ships are lost, and traveling souls go missing, never to be heard from again. And there's an island within this place, mysterious and uncharted, an island untouched by time and civilization, where all who are lost end up. Bermuda lives here. She's 16, scrappy, and a survivor. And this has been the only life she's ever known until today. She's discovered something on her island that will either open a doorway between her world and ours, or destroy it. Um, love the blurb of that. It sounds great. The cover is absolutely fantastic. I think Nick Bradshaw did that as well. So um, that's a four-issue miniseries, I think that's going to be. Pirates and dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. just a bit of of everything thrown in. Just looks really exciting and it really, you know, looks like a really good time. But And I'm sure it'll have loads of good humor and stuff with John John Lehman involved. Yeah, good stuff. Looking forward to that one, I have to say. And then, of course, what about you, Alan? Well, of course, it wouldn't be uh, a Roddy recommendation here in IDW without there being a uh, an original soft cover graphic novel here as well. A little bit of an advanced solicit here, uh, Ballad for Sophie. This mm. is this looks really cool. Yeah, doesn't it? Um, I am just bringing up my notes, so bear with me. You can edit this. Part. I will. I will <laughs> kick it off anyway. It's uh, written by or Philippe really? Mello, an artist slash cover by Juan Cavea. So it's going to be a 320 page soft cover. Now it is an advanced solicit, uh, which is going to be available in September. But this this uses one of my favorite tropes when I get a really good story I can sink my teeth into, and that's uh, a story that starts in one year and then has a massive time jump in another. I love a big sweeping epic set over many, many decades. So uh, you, you got those notes up now? Nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, so a young journalist prompts a reclusive piano superstar to open up, resulting in this stunning graphic sonata exploring a lifetime of rivalry, regret, and redemption. Yeah, I'm the same. I love films like this as well just a big 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 fan of stuff and you know there's been a lot of kind of comics about music recently with like blue and green and gunning for hits is and a lot of stuff exploring sort of the nature of uh, art and music which i'm really intrigued by but um this sort of spans at the start in 1933 in the small french village of Cressy Lavalois, a local piano contest, brings together two brilliant young players, Julien Dubois, the privileged heir of a wealthy family, and Francois Samson, the janitor's son. One wins, one loses, and both are changed forever. 1997, in a huge mansion stained with cigarette smoke and memories. Just, I just love the language of it. The language is epic too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, a bitter old man is shaken by the unexpected visit 
of an interviewer. Somewhere between reality and fantasy, Julianne composes, like in a musical score, a complex and moving story about the cost of success, rivalry, redemption, and flying pianos. When all is said and done, did anyone ever truly win? And in it, is there any music left to play? Yeah, that sounds in 320 pages. <laughs> that is going, it is going to be epic. <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah, plenty to sink the teeth into there. And, and again, I, I always like it when you've got these different formats and comics and original graphic novels are really doing it for me at the moment. You know, we, we obviously had Reckless, uh, the second book of it this week, uh, the Brubaker Phillips one from Image. You know, you, yeah. you, you talked about Blue and Green there. I, I'm a big a big sucker for an original graphic novel and, you know, just having the, the full story there all at once. So, well, yeah, look I can't, forward to that. Uh, it must be pretty... How many how many issues would that be? Probably be <laughs> three hundred and twenty. That's like ten that issues, maybe. Into... Yeah, thirty-two page yeah. issues, so maybe the equivalent of a ten-issue miniseries. So plenty there to to jump into. So, so we'll move away then from IDW and jump on to Boom, which uh, regularly is in opposition to Image as taking the title for uh, the most. The most titles we're looking forward to in a month, you know, boom, always knock it out of the park with some cracking looking titles. And there really seems to be a little something for everyone this month with boom comics. I mean, uh, one that I just want to throw out a quick bit of uh, interest for just I've obviously got into wrestling an awful lot in the last few years. And there's boom studios hold the license for WWE comics. And these are comics that, again, uh, appeal to sort of cross generations, which is good. So there's a new one coming out called WWE The New Day Power of Positivity. It's a, it's focused on a, on a tag team in the WWE called The New Day, and it's going to be a two-issue miniseries. Uh, they are oversized issues for each one. And it's art by Daniel Bayless, who's just a, the perfect artist for this, worked on a few WWE titles before. And it's written by Evan Narcisse and Austin Walker as well. So just if you're a wrestling fan, uh, this this is definitely aimed at you. It's it's a case of exploring storylines that you know aren't on the weekly shows and expanding sort of uh, characters, motivations and backgrounds and stuff. So uh, one to look forward to there that I think is all is there, me. They're pretty cool guys, aren't they? They've had a podcast aren't they and they're yeah. they sort of i remember there was like news articles where they when um well i should say it's still ongoing but when there is a lot of black lives matter movement i remember there was talk of them they had sort of like armbands and stuff where they wrote the names yeah. of some victims on it and trying to bring awareness and stuff to an industry that probably doesn't have that much awareness of those issues so yeah that's pretty cool yeah, I mean, they're, they're guys that have their own podcast. They do a lot of charity work and stuff like that and as well. And as you say, a lot of campaigning. So uh, really, really positive guys. And, you know, that'll that'll just be a fun book. I, I have a feeling you do probably have to be a wrestling fan to probably appreciate it. But uh, no, it looks, it looks really, really sweet. So, um, But yeah, a couple of other boom titles in here to look forward to as well. Uh, why don't you tell us about Dark Blood number one, Keith? Yeah, that's uh, one of the one of the couple of boom, boom titles that I'm looking forward to this month. Dark Blood number one of six by Latoya Morgan and illustrated by Walt Barna. It's a bold genre bending saga for fans of Department of Truth and Bitterroot. Uh, what if you were given the power to change the course of history? Alabama, 1955. Avery Aldridge is an ordinary young black man, a decorated World War II veteran. Avery provides for his wife and daughter. But wounds of the past have a way of coming back, and Avery Aldridge will discover that he is anything but ordinary. After a run-in awakens strange new abilities, Avery is about to become more powerful than he could ever have dared to dream. 
in a country and society that never wanted to ha- him to have any power. The bold, evocative, genre-bending saga by screenwriter Latoya Morgan, who was a screenwriter on uh, The Walking Dead and also AMC's Into the Badlands, which is an interesting series, and rising star artist Walter Barna. Uh, and as I say, it is perfect for fans of Department of Truth, which I think is all of us, and Bitterroot. Um, so that, that, that looks a really interesting one. And then... I want to spotlight uh, the second Dune prequel miniseries, uh, so prequel to the to the upcoming movie. Uh, we're uh, we're currently finishing off Dune uh, House of Trades, and in July we'll be getting into uh, Dune uh, Blood of uh, the Sardaukar, uh, again by Kevin Kevin J Anderson and Brian Her- Herbert, with art this time by Adam Gorham. Uh, when the choice of, is vengeance or honour, uh, which lies at the heart of a Sardaukar. Uh, Jopati Kalana is one of the Sardaukar, the Emperor's elite military unit. The Sardaukar are unbeatable, unbending in their devotion to the Emperor and feared throughout the galaxy. When Jopati meets Duke Leto of House Atreides, the house he believes responsible for the destruction of his home planet and family, he will be forced to question a lifelong hatred. Tasked with overthrowing the Atreides' stronghold in June for his master, Jopati will be forced to choose between duty and forgiveness. It's a poignant, blood-soaked tale expanding the rich mythology of Frank Herbert's Dune. Um, I don't know if that's a if that's a one-shot or if it's a an ongoing. Um, no, I think it was a series, from what I remember seeing. Uh, I didn't catch the number of them though. Five or six, maybe. Yeah. So. But um, how many prequels do they want? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. They'll probably they'll probably fire a couple out until the movie comes out. Yeah. You know? they're just but, they're just uh, filling just time while waiting coming. to yeah. filling time while waiting yeah. to get the movie out. Well, I mean, what I can say <laughs> is, if it's of the quality of House of Trades, it's not time wasted. Mm. Uh, very, very good. Oh, well, uh, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, really enjoying that. Really enjoying that. Well, I've got one. We were talking earlier about um, universal sort of titles. Well, I've certainly got one here. Um, and that's called Mamo Number One, and it's certainly it's by Sass Millage, who is was was the artist on The Lost Carnival, a Dick Grayson graphic novel, which um, was written by Michael Marecki, and it was sort of um, a young adult novel. But this thing looks really good. I remember it said for fans of The Last Witch, which is all of us mm-hmm. um cracking story and um, this one follows orla o'reilly who has never been the type of witch to put down roots the youngest in a long line of hedge witches orla finds herself back in the time where she grew up and her grandmother mamo's death but without mamo around to deal with the town's magic it's quickly fallen into chaos and now there's a poltergeist in the local joe manalo's attic when joe goes to orla for help the young hedge which is reluctantly pulled into the town's complicated relationship with the Fae, and Joe gets a crash course on the surprising world of magic that lies right beneath the surface of her normal, boring hometown. They'll have to work together to find the source of all their otherworldly problems, but are they up to the task? Um, so yeah, a story about family, friendship, filled with witches, birds, fairies, and trolls. Yeah, that sounds brill. So the art, um, if you get a chance to look at the art, it looks so vibrant and colourful and just beautiful. Um, there's some cracking variant covers as well. Nice one by Veronica Fish. Um, and it's uh, another another hit for Boombox, who's like the sort of 
it's described as the young adult sort of uh, imprint of boom but it's really like alan kind of said earlier i think that means universal to me yeah, yeah totally agree so. i totally think so so yeah so what do we have left there fellas so the one to finish got off any with, more boom one to finish off with certainly because uh, this was a, a pick from vicky as well uh, nearly every month we will always showcase an AWA title. Uh, I, w- I do see that you two gentlemen will be in tears this month as Chariot comes to its conclusion with issue yeah. five. Uh, <laughs> the synthwave thriller, which continues to be my favorite description for any genre ever. Uh, so there, that comes to an end, but there is a, a new number one coming out. And this was one that Vicky highlighted. And this is written and drawn by Frank Cho. Now, Frank Cho is one of those artists that's drawn every Marvel and DC character you can think of pretty much at this point. And this is a, a brand new number one, going to be a five-issue miniseries called Fight Girls. So for this one, it's 10 hard-as-nails women face off in an ancient contest of champions where the winner truly takes all the title of Queen of the Galaxy. To win the challenge, each contestant must survive the hazards of the planet's harsh landscapes, the ferocious predators on and below its surface, and their fellow contestants. This edition of the contest has a twist. One of the contestants is an infiltrator who has her eye on something bigger than the prize. Who is she and what does she really want? So it sounds like there's some sort of spy shenanigans going on there as well. So that's right up my alley. I tend to jump on any AWA title anyway. Any new number ones there. So uh that's yeah. that's that's a good pick from vicky kind of yeah i really like the sound of that kind of following on from what you saying what you're saying about awa i find with behemoth comics mm-hmm. no i'm kind of getting that oh right like i need to be jumping on this this kind of comic imprint because i got um a girl walks home, home alone at night which is fantastic and then you very kindly got me um, you promised me a darkness, which I read this morning, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And Behemoth have a sort of another young adult publishing imprint. It seems to be all the rage, but there's one called Cinnamon, which I think is out in July, and it's by Victoria Douglas, who does the art and the writing. And it just sounded, I love the art of it. It looked really, really intriguing. And it's about uh, Cinnamon, who is just a perfectly ordinary average house cat, at least until we glimpse the world through her wild eyes. Countertops become skyscrapers, cat toys become biker gangs, and perilous giant robots rampage on the daily. Get drop kicked onto the action packed streets of Big Kitchen City as she fights the dark forces that dare to keep her from her favorite treat catnip so um i just wanted to highlight because um i've been really loving their sort of their style and what they do so i'm really digging that so i'll be i'll be looking into that one too so the the previous books are full of those wee things from like those kind of comic companies like your scout comics and um your source point press and all that sort of stuff so it's cool to see bmoth coming coming through too yeah, and also Vault Comics is another one that just keeps uh, yeah. pumping them out as well. And there's a really interesting looking one actually at the back that's just caught my eye. Cullen Bunn, he of 962 uh, concurrent titles at the moment. Man just never seems to stop writing. But this is a title uh, written by him, art by Layla Lays, and it's called The Last Book You'll Ever Read. Civilization is a lie, hidden deep in our genes is the truth, and it is slowly clawing its way to the surface. Olivia Cade knows the truth and she has become the prophet of the coming collapse. 
Her book, Satire, is an international bestseller and is being blamed for acts of senseless violence and bloodshed all over the world. Her own life is in danger from those who have read her work. Determined to conduct a book tour, she hires security professional Connor Wilson to act as her bodyguard. She has only one requirement. He cannot read her work. So that's another one from the, the Vault Horror imprint called Nightfall. So it looks really, really interesting as well. So, But yeah, we, we could go on all day. As Roddy says, there's lots of sort of hidden hidden corners to the, the previews book. And you can find tons of titles in there. But now that we are fully open again, you can flick through the previews books. They'll always be in the corner of the store over where the previews board is as well in the sitting area. Hopefully we will be back to offering a sitting area again sometime soon but you know again yeah, 20, 24th of may we'll 24th of may is the perspective date that's the thing and you know yeah. hopefully it'll keep going in that direction so you know fingers crossed to say the least so but yeah anything appeals to you there out of the out of all those uh titles guys just uh get in touch with us you can you know pop into the store now which is great uh or you can drop us a message through facebook or any of our social medias or even drop us an email and we can get things added to your pull list for you so tons of great stuff to look forward to there in july so that's going to do it for us today uh, massive thanks as always to both keith and roddy for their input and selections and yeah, uh, thanks to keith for getting it out thanks very much well we had keith who wasn't feeling well this morning gutting it out and roddy who's recovering from his half marathon so uh we're we're, the things we go through to bring you the previews uh podcast so yeah cheers for it guys and uh, i can now leave you to go and enjoy your sundays so cheers again and uh, i'll look forward to seeing you in store soon